I'd like to think together today about the topic of exile and longing. I don't know if you guys like this hymn that we just listened to, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And I remember when I first heard it, I thought it was kind of a strange Christmas hymn. It's really different from most of the other Christmas hymns that are focused on praising God and rejoicing. But over the years, I've come to really appreciate this hymn. It takes us into the shadows of the Old Testament, where Israel is taken into exile in Babylon. And from that place of captivity, they cry out in longing and hope for the Messiah. And this sentiment is something I'd like to explore together today. The place of exile and longing turns out to be quite central in Scripture as well as our own lives. I think it's perhaps one of the most apt ways of describing the human condition, this condition of exile. The Bible opens with the theme of home. Adam and Eve are at rest in Eden, but soon after that paradise is broken as Adam and Eve reject God, and from then on, they are permanent exiles, banished, never to return. There's a curious verse at the end of Genesis chapter 3. After they sin, the entrance to the garden is guarded by a cherubim and a flaming sword. It's a profound verse that we can't go back. We can't go back to Eden. There is no paradise on this side of heaven. We're now, to quote Steinbeck, east of Eden, where we wander about. I've come to see over the years how deeply profound this verse is. So often we experience so much frustration and brokenness because we're seeking Eden in this life. Historically, utopian ideals have caused more suffering and death than all of our wars combined. It's a profound truth that Eden is guarded and we are exiled. I think we all possess this spiritual memory of Eden and experience this exile in our hearts. We live in such a broken world Especially these days, I think we all feel a palpable sense that this world is not the way it should be. From the global pandemic, 1.3 million deaths and counting, the maddening racial injustice, to the deep political divide in our country, and in our personal lives. The two videos, I think, captures many of our experiences. The sense of isolation and estrangement that we feel towards others. The first video observed, we live in a crowded world. There's so much fear and competition. We look at our neighbors and all we see are strangers. We don't know how to relate with other people. We long to know and be known, yet we feel like imposters, always wearing masks. Connectedness feels increasingly difficult. Technology that's promised to bring us together, and I guess in a way it has, but in the ways that count, it has done exactly the opposite. We find ourselves in a whole network of relationships, but no one who truly knows us. And all the while, there's so much private pain. The stories that our members shared about when they felt isolated. It was hard to hear. Cancer, the death of loved ones. And I think the most painful source of exile really has to do with our sins and the sins of others. Divorce, unfaithfulness, abuse. The ways we treat each other. As our opening hymn states, it's our envy, strife, and quarrels that causes our deepest exile. Exile. I think this really does capture the state of humanity. We are exiled. But the curious thing is that we are not at home in our exile. Despite the fact that this world is all we've known, there is written on our hearts a sense that this is not the way things should be. C.S. Lewis called it our inconsolable longings. There is imprinted on our hearts echoes of Eden, and we long for a place we have never seen, yet we are sure exists a place of wholeness, 
a place of connection, a place of warmth and security and unconditional love. Kevin shared at the beginning of the service how despite the darkness and uncertainty and this instability that surrounds us, Christmas somehow retains its magic. And I think it does this because it reminds us of our true home. It evokes sentiments of Eden. I recently saw a Thomas Kincaid painting. I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with Thomas Kincaid, but he's one of my favorite artists. He's not sophisticated. He's been coined the painter of light, and he paints these rustic scenes, and many of them of Christmas. And I recently saw this painting, and it filled me with a lot of different emotions. I'd like you to take a look at this painting for a moment and chat into the chat what kinds of images and feelings it evokes. I'll give you guys about 10 seconds, and if you're at a watch party, feel free to share it with each other. So I'm not sure what exactly you felt, but I'm guessing it conjured up some warm images and sentiments. Maybe you thought of the sound of children laughing and playing as they built that snowman. Or maybe you imagined them inside, all snuggled up next to the fireplace, hearing a story read by some loving grandparent, chestnuts roasting, huddled inside against all the cold. Maybe you wrote feelings such as warmth, love, security, or connectedness. I think many of us have never experienced a whole host of these images that are associated with Christmas. For us in California, we've probably never experienced a white Christmas. Many of us have probably never roasted chestnuts on an open fire. For a long time, I didn't even know what a chestnut looked like. But we long for it because of all that it represents, and it hits us with the pain of nostalgia. I think for some of us, this longing hits us with a deep sadness that we don't quite know what to do with. I think Christmas and these images can have the effect of accentuating the lack in our lives. The warmth and connection reminds us of the coldness and the brokenness in our relationships. The images of happy homes and the cover of Christmas cards reminds us of the childhood we didn't have or the not-so-happy home that we're currently in. Or maybe the many romantic images plastered on websites and malls causes us to feel that much more insecure and lonely. Christmas can ironically have the effect of making us feel like outsiders, like there's life and joy and warmth somewhere, but we're stuck outside of that in the cold. So what are we to do with this sense of exile, our longing for so much that is lacking in our lives and in our hearts? Well, before we get to that, one thing that we must not do is that we must not make the mistake of thinking that happiness or escaping our exile comes through obtaining these images that evoke our sense of longing. It's not about joining a startup and IPOing so that you can become a millionaire and move into that Thomas Kincaid house, buy 10,000 watts of halogen lighting to blast light through the windows. That's not going to do it. It's also not about finding that perfect romance or having close friends or even having a happy family. Those things are wonderful and they're blessings, but if we pursue them as our paradise, we will encounter that flaming sword and we will find that the way is guarded. These things are only clues meant to awaken our longing for our true home. So what must we do? And I think we get a vivid picture from perhaps an unlikely place. Coming back to our opening hymn, when the Israelites were taken captive into exile, It was one of the darkest periods of Israel's history. But from that time came perhaps the most famous psalm of lament. 
Psalm 137, 1 through 4 reads, By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our lyres, for there our captors required of us songs and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? This psalm expresses the embittered spirit of a people who have been conquered by a foreign army. Israel's homeland has been devastated and destroyed by its enemies. And on their way to Babylon, their captors ask them to sing a song. And the psalmist says, By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? It's a sad scene. Yet, interestingly, this is considered one of the high points of Old Testament spirituality. Why? Because all throughout Israel's history, they failed to acknowledge God. They worshipped idols and ignored God. But as they were being carried off, ironically, in that place, when they recognized that they were exiles in a foreign land, it awakened their longing for God. And in that place, it caused them to cry out, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Despite the terrible circumstances, it turned out to be the very best thing. I know for many of us, this has been a pretty tough year. Perhaps due to our sins or the sins of others, we felt that sense of exile and longing more palpably than ever. Perhaps some of us have been barking up the wrong tree, chasing some paradise on earth, and coming up empty, frustrated, and exhausted. If so, I want to suggest that perhaps you are in the best place spiritually. Because anything that weans our hearts from this world and points our hearts heavenwards is a good thing. Because our truest condition is one of exile. And therefore, when we find ourselves longing for home and longing for heaven, that is to find ourselves finally rightly related with reality. And by contrast, whenever we're longing after something in this world, thinking that it will give us that ultimate happiness, or looking for security, or feeling secure in this world because of some semblance of wealth or achievement, that is in fact the most spiritually perilous place. The very best place to be is sensing our exile, crying out, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And the incredible news of Christmas is that we can rejoice because Emmanuel has come. Matthew 1, 21 through 23 reads, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the incredible news of Christmas, that God has come, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Despite the fact that we were exiled because of our sins, God traveled the infinite distance coming down to earth to be born a baby in a manger. And beyond that, he suffered and bore our punishment, dying on a cross to save us from our sins. That alienation and exile, that sense of being cut off because of our sins, cut off from God, from joy and from peace, Jesus has come and paid the price offering us reconciliation with God and eternal life. I thought about this word, with. It's such an amazing word to be with. This is the nature of love, and it really changes everything. Isn't this something we all long for? The assurance that someone will never leave us, even in human relationships. This is such a strength. 
I remember when I was in high school, a friend and I decided to hike up Yosemite Falls in the middle of winter. It was a terrible idea. We didn't have the right clothes or the right gear, and the trail was actually closed off, but we were foolish and reckless, and we went anyway. Well, long story short, about two-thirds of the way up, we got caught in a full-on blizzard. There was zero visibility. I literally couldn't see my hand in front of me. It was below freezing. We were both cramping every few minutes. We were getting pretty desperate because we, were, we both knew that we were stuck on the middle of this mountain and the thought actually occurred that we might not make it. There's a moment after majorly stumbling and losing ground, I thought for the first time, I think we might die. And perhaps it was a little melodramatic, but I turned to my friend and said, hey, just leave me. We're not going to make it. It's better if you just go. And I'll never forget, he didn't, he didn't hesitate for one second. He said, no way. There's no way I'm leaving you. We're going to make it together. And he pulled me up and fast forward, we made it. He almost got frostbite and lost his toe. But man, I experienced what a strength it was to have one friend who stuck with me. And of course, this is a ridiculous story of two foolish teenage boys but I think it does communicate something about the power of being with. God comes and is with us, and we have the assurance that He will never leave us. We are no longer orphans in this world. He is with us throughout life and through death itself. Romans 8, 38-39 reads, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise the Lord. As we walk through this life in exile, we have the assurance that God is with us and that nothing will separate us from God, not even death. And one day he will bring us home. That is the incredible invitation and offer of Christmas. And I pray that each of us would be able to be struck by that and receive it once again. In the meanwhile, as we're in between that final home and exile, as we have the presence of Jesus and the assurance of eternal life, we have the privilege of being His hands and feet. Just as Jesus came to be with us, we have the privilege of being with others, loving our friends and family who are lost in exile, looking for hope and meaning in this ever-darkening world. I pray that especially during this crazy year, in the midst of all the turmoil and upheaval, we can live heaven-bound lives, pointing people to the true hope that is found in Christ. Amen. Let us pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for coming to be with us, for seeing us in our sin and exile and showing us grace and mercy and forgiveness. Help us to resist the pull of trying to create heaven on earth, but instead live heaven-bound lives focused on eternity and bringing others with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen. Thank you again for joining us this week, and we'll see you next week.